Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung. We thank you for those that have taken time out of their schedule to come and worship with us today. We ask that you will bless it all in your son Jesus' name. We thank you for the word and the word that shall fall upon our hearts, that will fall upon good soil and gain great roots, that you will be glorified in it all. We thank you and honor you for it all in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we are now to our third and final episode of this series called The Light Has Come. And you have seen some uh, video representation of some of the scriptures that we're going to use today because I want to help you get it locked in to your psyche of how significant this time period is for today. Though it happened many, many years ago, the significance of it still has relevance today. And I want to point out the fact that if you think about the creator of the entire universe made himself available to interact with man by becoming a man so that he could show man how to live appropriately. That's what this comes down to. So we're going to start with John, the first chapter, and we're going to look at that 14th verse. And it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. As we saw in the story that Jesus came to this earth not as a full-fledged man. He came through the same process that all of us went through. Every single one of us were born of a woman. And as the commentator said, he said that God was so happy that his son was born. He put the brightest star in the sky. How many of us know daddies that usually are quiet, but once that baby's born, they show all 32 of their teeth. (laughs) They start talking all that nonsense like they was pregnant the whole time. They said, we had a baby. And all he did was stand there talking about, are you okay? But we ain't going to talk about daddy's bad today. We just, we're just saying that it's an excitement. There is a, a, a feeling, a euphoric feeling when a life is made manifest in the world. And the Father, God the Father was the same way. He had the angels. He, he made the best singing angels come out and glorify his son. He wanted everyone to know Just like any father would, my boy is here. Especially when we name him after ourselves, we really, we we show some extra teeth. We got 36 teeth in our mouth when when we're going to name him after ourselves. Because there's something significant about knowing that your son is here. And you want everybody to know it. And so the next scripture we're going to look at goes to Luke, the second chapter, which is the common story that Dr. Luke wrote that everyone has been using for many years to talk about 
the birth of Jesus. Now, it talks about how although they were up in Nazareth, the Bible said that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. And so in order for this to happen, Caesar Augustus said, I want you to go to your hometown where you were born in order for me to do a census, to me, for me to count how many people there are so I know how much to charge you for taxes. So because Joseph was born of the lineage of David, his hometown was Bethlehem, so he had to move from uh, Galilee, Nazareth, down to Bethlehem. There's a book in the Bible called Micah, and Micah talks about how Bethlehem being this small little city, however, it gets to uh, bring in or celebrate this great situation, this great event that is about to transpire. So I'm going to go through these scriptures real quick. I'm going to use the New Living Translation just to kind of go over it one more time, and then we're going to go into our message and call it a day. Luke, the fourth chapter, I mean, Luke, the second chapter, starting at the fourth verse, and it says, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took to him, he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. <coughs> New Living Translation. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and singing glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let us go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angels had told them. Jesus 
became God in the flesh. John 1, 14. You have heard it said that Jesus was a great teacher. You have heard it said that Jesus was one of the greatest teachers. And so everyone is acknowledging Jesus and everyone is saying that Jesus has done something. But the bottom line is he is God. And a man who would just merely say the things that Jesus has said could not be a great moral teacher. Because Jesus said things that were just outside the rim of how everybody was thinking. But he said, I've come that I might do the will of the Father who sent me. It's not about me. It's about me doing what I was sent to do. Think about this. We see guys on the street corner saying that they are Jesus, and we already know they ain't. We tell them that they're crazy. We might even say that they're a lunatic. It's just like the person who sits in the garage and tells you that they are now a car. You know that ain't true. So we know that about them, and so either... Jesus was God, either he was crazy, or he was the devil coming to deceive us. And we all had the opportunity to make our choices in this. The one thing that I want us to realize is that Jesus didn't leave it open to us to make the decision of what he really was. He exampled what he represented and how he wanted us to walk and how he wanted us to live a life that brought glory to the Father. And so we can kind of get wrapped around and argue about, but the bottom line is, what was the effect of Jesus coming? Some of us get wrapped around the fact that it couldn't have been born on December 25th, but that ain't the real thing. We heard Clive and Eve talk about that and explain how that came to be. Some folks say the shepherds wouldn't have been out in December. But we know that Clive and Ian... <laughs> Them two great guys broke it down. But I'm going to just hit you with it real quick. Now, back in the day, the month December was the 10th month. We now call it October, which back in the old calendar, because Ock is eight, would have been the eighth month. You see how that thing go? So that means November was the what? The ninth month. Isn't that something? So we added two months into the situation. We added July after Julius Caesar. And so it pushed all the other months to direction. So December was the 10th month, which would have been the same time period by which the shepherds would have been out there with their sheep. Isn't that something? 
But we ain't going to get into all that right now. You know, if you go ahead and hit me with the email or something on this video, I'll go ahead and go a little deeper with you. But for right now, I got some other things I want to talk about. Because the significant, other significant thing is, is that because of the impact that Jesus had, not only on the kingdom, not only on the empire, not only on the region, but on the world. One of the significant things about Jesus coming was the fact that when he came, nobody made any great fanfare about him. But the mindset of the, uh, the people of Israel was he's coming to be this great king that's going to free us from this oppression and so that we won't have to be under this Roman rule. But the oppression that Jesus came to freedom from was the oppression of sin. The oppression of them being all prideful, thinking that there was all that and a bag of chips with a Pepsi on the side. So when Jesus came, he came in this different manner. He didn't come in this prompt and circumstance. Jesus was so poor. He couldn't even say poor. All he could say was poor. He had to stay in a stable because they didn't have enough money, nor was there room for them to stay in the hotel. They had to be given something, and they had to sleep in. He had to sleep in what the animals ate out of. Because it, then the folks that got to celebrate him was the folks that nobody liked, the smelly shepherds were the very first ones. But if he was a king, how come the king didn't come? Because that wasn't the way that God wanted this thing to work. He wanted us to understand that when he came, he didn't come with prompt and circumstances. He came as low as he could possibly be, as poor as he could possibly be, just so he could show us that it doesn't matter your fiscal uh, circumstance or your status. We all have a need within ourselves to be in right standing with the Father. So what happened over the years after Jesus came is all these folks start coming up with these theories trying to say, well, Jesus really didn't come. One of the strongest theories that came forth was called docetism. And docetism meant that, well, let me, let me back it up just a little bit. Docetism came from agnosticism. Now, agnostic is a person that believes there's a God, but we don't have the ability to know that there's a God. Now, don't that sound contrary? We know there's a God, but we don't have the ability to know that there's a God. And so they said the reason for this was because it requires a spiritual person and our carnal bodies cannot understand the complexity of a spiritual God. So they came up and said, you know what, this is what happened. Jesus wasn't really in a body. He was really a spirit, a ghost that walked around, but it looked like. He was in a body, but he really wasn't in a body because they said the body was evil. Everything about the body was evil. And so why would 
the God of the universe allowed himself to be put in an evil body in order to redeem us. But that was just a contrary to the whole argument. That's why he did it, because he needed to redeem us back to himself. Not only was Jesus in a body, but guess what? Mary had to change his stinking diapers. I'm quite sure that he may have had to have his hands tapped a couple times because he was reaching for the wrong thing at the time. I'm quite sure he had to have correction as he was coming up. He had to have these things that, were, that we do with children in order to train them. Jesus went through that process so that he had an understanding. The Bible brings it out like this. It says, anything that you've gone through, Jesus has gone through. Yet he did it without missing God's mark. He did it so that he was effective in showing us the right way to operate in front of the Father. And so as we look at all this complexity and how folks are trying to pull it down and take it down, you know, one of the things that I learned is the fact that a lot of times folks don't really get upset about the lies. They get upset about the truth that's contrary to how they want to live. And so they try to dissuade it. They try to talk it down. They try to push it down. They try to remove it. They try to cause it to not operate in the proper manner. They try to remove from everybody's viewpoint the fact that the truth is the truth. And so as we look at everything that comes against Jesus, the folks that stood up there and said it's impossible for Jesus to have been in a body because the body's evil and God's not going to be in evil. But he did that in order to show us how we can walk and how we can live and how we can operate so that we are in compliance to what God wants us to do. We look at this situation and how many of us have heard the term one and only. How many of us heard the term one and only? And we apply, when we hear that term one and only, we say, if this is the one and only, like Miss Yolanda is my one and only love. I love a lot of people, but she knows she's my one and only. That means she's number one. Of all the love that I might have, she gets the greatest amount. And the same thing with Jesus. Jesus was the only, the one and only of the Father. But his, God's love towards Jesus was great. But his love toward us was that much greater because he allowed his son to go through situations in order so that we can get the same rights and privileges that he gave his son. Isn't that something? Not only is Jesus God's one and only, but we are his one and only. 
We kind of call it today, we call it the boo, right? Ain't that what they say, or the bay? Ain't that what we call them, the bay or the boo? One of them two? Yeah. You see, I tried to do a little modern. Yeah, I messed all that up. So as we look at this, when we have the significant person, this is what God has desired for us to have with him. He wants us to not only see that Jesus came, which was great, but just like we talked with the offering, there is a seed, a starting point, but there's also a process that you go through to hit the time of harvest. And the time of harvest for our situation was when Jesus died in our place. He took the responsibility of what we should have been convicted of upon himself. And because he did that, he caused us to be in right standing with the Father. I told a friend, I believe I told you all before that, I told a friend that when we stand before God in prayer, or when we're standing before him, he doesn't see us. He sees Jesus in us. And because he sees Jesus in us, he sees us as he sees Jesus. And so in order for God to see that, you have to have a relationship with Jesus. Now, I know you probably wanted me to do the Christmas story. And I am giving you the Christmas story, but I just got to do it my way. Because if I do it the way everybody else, then I'll be like everybody else. We can't do it like that. We got to be a little different. Because we like to do that. And so, when we look at this, this entire situation, it runs me to my sticky point, my sticky note. My sticky note for this week is a very simple one. And it says this, it says that God executed the impossible in order to create a possibility for us. God executed the impossible in order to create a possibility for us. Now the background to this one is the fact that before Jesus came, our destination was separation from God. So what God did is, he did the impossible, which is take his spiritual divine self and place it in the confines of a human body. It wasn't supposed to be able to be done, but God, impossible to God is just another word. He makes it happen. And so because God did or executed the impossible, it then made it possible for us to be in right standing with him, to walk with him, to be called his sons and his daughters because of this day that we're celebrating on Tuesday, which is the birth of his son, which caused the process for us to be made right with the Father. God executed the impossible in order to create the possibility for us to be called his sons and his daughters. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you have opened up the opportunity for us to be declared your sons and daughters. And although folks have said all these different things contrary to who Jesus was, we know that according to your word that he is made flesh just like us, but yet without sin. And we were able to see by his actions how he glorified you, how he lifted you up, how he dignified you, and he set the example. And if we accept what he's done for us, that we can also be called your children. So we thank you, God, for the opportunity to be called your sons and daughters. We thank you, God, for this opportunity to celebrate all that you've done for us. And most of all, God, we celebrate the fact that we will live in eternity with you forever. And we thank you for it all in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.